Hi, everyone, and welcome to the By the Laces podcast. My name is Bill Malik, and this is my co-host, Trenton Cito. How are you, Trenton? I am fantabulous. We are, we've gotten past week two of football, actually. We're going into week three. It's nice to have football back, but, uh, you know, we got to keep chugging along with the news. How are you, Bilal? I'm good. Uh, football season is moving right on schedule, and it seems to be that everything is going exactly how it should be. So hopefully everything stays this way and we can continue to enjoy the sport we love. All right, so uh, let's just jump right into things here. So we came across the news yesterday that Bears legend and Hall of Famer Gail Sayers had passed away at age 77. And this is a big blow to the NFL community. But in also being Bears fans and living in this area, Gail Sayers meant a lot to to the team and to the area that to to our area. And uh, he was nicknamed the the Kansas Comet. And um, many thing about his career though that it was marked short by injury. The last two years of his career, he barely played, but he was still good enough to run for 4,956 yards, 39 touchdowns, averaging five yards a carry, and becoming an all-pro in each of his first five seasons, and a four-time pro bowler. In addition, Sears was the NFL Rookie of the Year in 1965, the Comeback Player of the Year in 1969, and he was also named the All-Decades Team the 50th anniversary all-time team, 75th anniversary all-time team, and the NFL 100th anniversary all-time team. In 1977, Sayers became a Hall of Famer, and that just shows to just running down all these different accolades and accomplishments shows you how dominant of a player he was despite his shortened career. Yeah, he was really a kind of do-it-all player. Um, Just really really a threat in any part of the field. You know, whether you have him returning or or running the football. But, yeah, just a a sad passing. Um, A lot of current current and former players and even his teammates uh, took to social media to – to commemorate the life of Gail Sayers. And uh, this is a tweet that I came across of earlier from Matt Forte, the, our, the former Bears running back. He, he reads, Rest in he- heaven, Mr. Sayers, number 40. When I was drafted in 2008, he was our guide in Canton when we got to visit the Hall of Fame. Amazing inspiration before starting a career. Thanks for setting the standard for Chicago Bears running backs. You'll be missed but always remembered. And it just goes to show you the impact that people have on how these legends have impacted so many different generations of people. Matt Forte was never alive to even watch Gail Sayers play, but just the impact that that experience had is, is remarkable. I was watching um, NFL Network yesterday and they had Terrell Davis on and a lot of, and Terrell Davis, who played for the Broncos, his career was is somewhat compared to Gail Sayers in terms of how short it was. And he basically credited him for him being in the in the Hall of Fame because the Gail Sayers provided the template for people to base someone like Terrell Davis's career off of. And since he's in the Hall of Fame, he thanked Sayers for being in the hall for him being in the hall of fame yeah and to be able to do so many things in such a short career like you mentioned Terrell Davis being able to do that and even Bo Jackson is considered one of those players you know he he didn't play much in the NFL he didn't get a lot of statistics but he's still considered one of the greatest athletes ever play the sport so to have Gail Sayers be that first player basically is incredible 
One thing I also came across of was a tweet by Ashton, Ashton Kutcher, the actor. Um, he's a huge Bears fan as well. And he says, I asked Yale Sayers for the best advice he ever received from his high school. And this advice is now from his high school football coach. When it's, when it's you versus one person, you should win 100% of the time. When it's you versus two people, you should win 75% of the time. Set your expectations higher than others imagine and then exceed them. It's, again, is an inspiration for people all over the sport and even not in the sport to um, look up to. And I'm going to make one more point here before we transition. Um, Chris Collinsworth was saying this during the NFL 100 show, I believe last year when they were unveiling the all-time team. He said, look at the type of fields that people like Gail, Gail Sayers and Jim Brown used to play on. Those were like completely muddied fields. They aren't these nice, clean fields that you see nowadays. And just the field conditions itself were remarkable that anyone could put up that type of production in, um, while remaining at the top of their game. Yeah, it's uh, it's always a changing game. Transitioning from more running to, to passing, like you said, from the the poor fields to now the more advanced fields. I suppose you could call them. But uh, yeah, why don't we transition into some slightly happier news? For week two, the NFL tested all the players about two thousand five hundred of them or so, and there were no positive tests among players. I believe there were eight positive tests among uh, NFL staff, but the staff was not allowed into team facilities, so they were not spreading any. So that transitions into our next point. There were coaches fined for not wearing their masks on the sidelines, and these coaches are Kyle Shanahan, Vic Fangio, Pete Carroll, Sean Payton, and John Gruden. They were all fined $100,000 for not wearing their masks. I mean, that's a good thing. Um, I'm glad the NFL has been taking such an approach towards everyone. They're not just targeting – they're not just – yeah, not just targeting players to be safer and follow the proper – protocols but they're also going after coaches front office people anyone who's part of the team and it sends a statement you have to wear your mask and i think we closed the show out we've been closing the show out every um episode now with the words wear a mask because you in the society we live in right now with the virus still raging havoc you have to wear a mask and uh, nfl coaches are no exception to that and they Thrown on the thrown down the gauntlet, saying, "We will fine you a hundred thousand dollars for not wearing a mask." Yeah, so hopefully, all of those coaches will be seen wearing their masks masks in week three, but only time will tell. And one last thing I want to bring up uh, before that is um, when John Gruden was, I think it was his post game press conference, saying that he's got to do better and he knows he has to wear a mask and all that stuff. He said that he had the virus sometime in July, which no one until now knew that he had the virus. So, uh, I mean, I know Sean Payton had the virus, but it'll be interesting to see if any more details come out of that revelation with John Gruden. Yeah, that'll be interesting for sure. John Gruden, just in general, is a very interesting person. I like him though. He's a yeah, he's like a really fun guy to be around. Yeah, yeah, he has a lot of good mic'd up moments, and the fans really love him too. Like at the end of games, if it's a home game, of course, back when there were fans in stadiums, uh, if they won the Raiders, you know, John Gruden would go up to the sidelines, the stands, and you know he'd be celebrating with the fans. So you know he's he's really loved over there for sure. Well, hopefully uh, we'll get back to that type of atmosphere in the not-too-distant future. Yeah. Anyways, speaking of feeling some love, 
Devonta Freeman is feeling some love from the Giants. They signed him to a one-year deal for up to $3 million. And, of course, Devonta Freeman is the former Atlanta Falcons running back who hasn't been able to find a home for quite a while now. Yeah, he got released in March by the Falcons, and uh, primarily because he was carrying such a high cap number. He was only two years into a a five-year extension. Um, This $3 million number is interesting. I um, don't exactly know the specifics, but I believe it is mainly incentive-based, so you would have to make the Pro Bowl or get a certain amount of rushing yards or all these different incentives. The main base deal, I believe, is somewhat around just a million or maybe a million and a half. So, I mean, it says three million for a year, but uh, he can only cash out on that from what I have understood if he meets certain requirements. But it's uh, good. The Giants need running back at this moment. I mean, we'll get into it when you when you run down through their injuries from the week. But uh, with Saquon Barkley's major injury, he's a uh, – He's not he's not Barkley, but he's also been around the block, so he knows what he knows what's up. So it's good that the Giants were able to bring in a veteran running back on such short notice. Yeah, hopefully Freeman can at least start to produce a little more than he did back in his last season with the Falcons, which uh, wasn't too great for him. Blow, I have a question for you. Beard or mustache? Personally, I don't like facial hair, but I'm also lazy enough that I will end up growing a beard out each week, which I do end up shaving each week. (laughs) So personally, I mean, if I had to, just maybe a a beard, because maintaining it just a mustache would be harder, because you'd still have to shave each and every week. But if I was to grow a beard, I could just let it grow. All right. Cool. I know exactly where you're going with this trend. (laughs) Well, my answer for that question is I don't think I can grow either, but moving on, we have Ryan Fitzpatrick and Gardner Minshew. It's the battle of the facial hair on Thursday night football, which is going to be tonight. That's going to be one interesting battle for sure. It is. And, um, I mean, Fitzpatrick's beard is, I don't, I don't know, when the last time that guy shaved, he, uh, that beard is big. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it cannot be contained by his helmet. <laughs> that's, no, that's and, for uh, sure. <laughs> Fitzpatrick was mentioning during a press conference, he was saying, I think the beard is cooler. Guys that throw mustaches have patchy sides, which is a direct attack to, Gardner Minshew, who just has a mustache, hence our discussion just a few seconds ago. And um, (laughs) Minshew's response was perfect. Minshew himself is 13 years younger than Fitzpatrick. I'd like you to uh, let us know what uh, Minshew had to say. Minshew said, I think I've shown I can grow a beard with no patchy sides. You know, I have a lot of respect for my elders especially when they're much older. Again, Minshew was 13 years younger. And uh, I mean, it's going to be an interesting, interesting game. Fitzpatrick is the journeyman quarterback who has been around so many different teams. And Minshew is now in his second year, who has shown some strides, but is also in a learning process the whole time. So and we'll pick this game once we get down to the towards the end of the show when we pick our games, but it's going to be a good matchup to watch. And uh, yeah. Yeah. The Jaguars have been surprisingly doing pretty well. I think, I mean, it was, it was thought that the Jaguars would be tanking and that they wouldn't be moving forward with Gardner Minshew as their quarterback after the season. But honestly, they've, they're one and one right now. It's not too bad for them. Not too bad for them at all. It is also a, very short sample size. The Jaguars could become the Jaguars of old and end up eventually do tanking. Who knows? That's true. Gardner Minshew did slow down a little bit at the end of last season, but we shall see. All right. Why don't we 
drop back a little bit and look at week two because week two was absolutely brutal for so many teams in the NFL. So first of all, we have the 49ers. The 49ers just lost like half of their team, which was crazy. They lost Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas. Both of them tore their ACLs. They're out for the season. Jimmy Garoppolo has a high ankle sprain, and he's he's probably not going to play in week three. Raheem Mostert has a MCL sprain. He's unlikely for week three. And Tevin Coleman also has a knee injury. He's projected to be out several weeks. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers were hit with the injury bug pretty hard. Um, last week, you would get all these different reports of people getting hurt. And then later on in the day, as you just ran down through, it didn't look so good. I mean, the biggest ones, obviously, are going to be Nick Bosa and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Garoppolo's not not been ruled out yet for week three. But uh, all signs are still pointing that he will not be playing. And Nick Mullins, the backup quarterback, will be taking over. I mean, the injury to Nick Bosa, I believe, is the more serious one. I mean, more overall, not just because it's, it is an ACL tear, but um, just what he brings to that defense, people, he he's a presence to be felt with. And I believe this is what his rookie said, I'll see his second year. Second year, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, he he played really well last year, and so far, he had been playing well this year. And people, he's another version of like Cleo Mack or who um, you have to really game plan for and block him, double team. But uh, now that he's not there, it's going to be interesting to see who steps up and fills that void. For sure. And with Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman both out for at least several weeks with knee injuries, you know, I... I wondered why they didn't pick up Devonta Freeman because Kyle Shanahan, Devonta Freeman was his running back over in uh, the Falcons. We're not going to talk about that Super Bowl loss. Oh, we, we can, but I, I have another way to bring that up later on in the show somehow. I have a, I tucked away. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll bring it up. All right. I will be waiting for it. Well, the team that did pick up Devonta Freeman is the Giants, and they picked him up because Saquon Barkley tore his ACL. He's out for the season, and this is just brutal because yeah. Saquon Barkley was he was looking to be, of course, one of the best running backs in the NFL and one of the future faces of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, his first game against the Steelers, the Giants didn't do so well running the ball. But then the second game against the Bears, they did. They showed much better signs of running it. But that play where he went down, I believe he went down earlier with some other injury earlier in the game. But then he ended up coming back. But just that specific play when he's going down, I believe it was Eddie Jackson trying to come make the tackle. You could see even the announcers were bringing this up, hence why I – this point still remains in my mind is that Saquon Barkley was trying to push away Eddie Jackson just to like get him off, even though Eddie Jackson had no idea that he was in pain. You could just tell that um, during that whole process, Saquon Barkley was not doing well. Yeah, and Saquon Barkley has already been getting a lot of, you know, a lot of criticism for not really being the running back that people expected him to be for the Giants. You know, he's supposed to be this generational talent and for him to tear his ACL is just so, so difficult for him. So hopefully he can, he can bounce back next season, maybe have an Adrian Peterson kind of comeback player of the year story and uh, you know, prove, prove the doubters wrong, but we'll see. He's certainly going to have the motivation to do that so yeah uh also for the giants sterling shepherd their wide receiver is on ir with a toe injury i believe it is turf toe so we'll have to look out for that as well moving on to the chargers the chargers had a very interesting injury tyrod taylor supposedly was going to start he was dealing with a rib injury and 
in pregame warmups, he was sent to the hospital due to chest pains and breathing problems. And nobody really knew what was going on. So rookie Justin Herbert had to start the game against the Chiefs. And only recently has information come out about Tyrod Taylor's injury. Would you like to cover this one, Bilal? Yeah. So um, apparently he played the entire week one with a rib injury, which many people didn't find out about until after the game, according to head coach Anthony Lynn. And so he was supposed to be wearing, I think, a flag jacket during the game. But right before the game, he was supposed to receive an injection just trying as a pain reliever. And the uh, the doctor administrating it, the team doctor, did not put it in the right spot. He was off by a few millimeters, which ended up puncturing and making a small puncture in his lung, causing him to uh, not be able to breathe properly. And then thus, as you mentioned, had to go to the hospital. Um, this was an interesting, interesting situation because he's not the first person to have ever done this. I have heard situations where players choose not to get this type of injection because of the risk involved of possibly hitting the wrong part of the punctured lung in, in, his, in his situation. So a lot of people just try to play through this type of injury, but he did opt to get this injection in and the doctor missed simply to put it just just slightly missed the mark i mean you know ouch right just ouch i mean just imagine being in that type of situation i can't imagine that but like uh, just you're about to play a game you're trying to get a painkiller yeah it's a painkiller right yeah it's a pain yeah so and then, yeah. And then your doctor messes it up. I mean, the team is going to keep the doctor from what I'm keeping. They're not even mad at him. And he was doing his job. And again, the risks are there with it. But the interesting thing was with Justin Herbert and that he found out like two minutes before the game that he was starting. And so just to get that and be your first game against the Chiefs. Well, I don't want to be in that position. No, definitely not. But we will cover that game later as one of our more interesting games. Moving on from that, injury news continues. The Panthers have lost Christian McCaffrey for at least four to six weeks. He's on IR with an ankle injury. Yeah, I mean, the Panthers hadn't been doing well in these first two games. They, they're 0-2 now, and this is, again, another big blow to the team because they're the heart and soul of their offense is Christian McCaffrey, and now he won't be there for, like you said, four to six weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how they go on to handle this and if the team will win anything in the meantime. Yeah, and he's just such a, a big part of his offense. It's going to be such a tough loss. Anyways, continuing... The Colts have lost Paris Campbell. He has a lot of things going on with his knee, MCL and PCL injuries. Uh, He's on IR. Malik Hooker, their star safety, has torn his Achilles. He's out for the season. The Broncos have quarterback Drew Locke out two to six weeks with a rotator injury in his throwing shoulder. Cortland Sutton, who was having shoulder issues, is now out for the season with both a ACL and an MCL tier. The Dolphins have lost starting quarterback, cornerback, I'm sorry, Byron Jones to a groin injury, and he's likely to miss tonight's game. The Vikings have lost starting linebacker Anthony Barr. He has a torn pec. He's out for the season. The Seahawks have lost starting linebacker Bruce Irving. He has another torn part, but this is the ACL. He's also out for the season. Washington football team has lost Brandon Sheriff with a MCL sprain for three to five weeks. And the Eagles have lost a wide receiver, Jalen Rager, with a UCL tear in his thumb. He'll be out for about half the season. So this week has not been kind to really any team at all. Um, except the Bears. <laughs> except to mention the Bears. Uh, uh, no, that's a good no, point. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, a lot of the teams have been hit hard, and some obviously worse than others. 
but uh, injuries are part of the game, and we wish everyone who is hurt a full recovery. And this is obviously going to be something we're going to be monitoring every show and every week. So let's just hope that next week's list is much smaller than the one that we've encountered so far. Um, another thing in addition to injuries that we've been keeping track of each week have been the NFL.com power rankings. And they have been some, uh, a few changes compared to the past weeks. The Ravens have moved up one spot to the number one ranking, which they were previously at number two. Chiefs, which, which now means that the Chiefs moved down from number one to number two. Packers remain steady at number three. And the Steelers have moved up three spots from number seven to number four. The Seahawks have moved up um, three spots from number eight to number five. The Bills have been remaining steady at number six. The Titans moved down two spots from number five to number seven. The Rams have moved up two spots from number 10 to number eight. And the New Orleans Saints have dropped four spots, sorry, five spots from number four to number nine. And the Patriots are up two spots from number 12 to number 10. And then just going down the list, some other notable teams, the um, 49ers have dropped five spots from number nine to number 14. The Browns have moved up eight spots from number 25 to number 17. And the Bears, which I always know we have to mention the Bears, have moved up three spots from number 22 to number 19. And your last place team is the New York Jets remaining steady at number 32. What is your take on all this? Again, this is just one outlet that we've been focusing on, but I feel that we have remained consistent in just discussing their picks. Yeah, I think I like what it's looking like so far. I think all of them pretty much make sense. Honestly, if anything, I thought the Seahawks should be a little bit higher. But, of course, right now they are at five, and the top five is pretty loaded with great teams. So, honestly, there's it's, it's just too hard to tell right now. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the top teams have uh, remained the same. It's just that they've been alternating spots, so... I mean, I was just really surprised to see how much the Browns jumped up after beating the Bengals last week, which I did pick the Bengals to win that game, but uh, which I was wrong. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, interesting to see how over the course of the year, I think we'll get a better sample size in like two or three weeks to see any more fluctuation because, again, a few teams have remained the same and most of the top teams are still the same. Um, yeah, let's go into our, uh, so we picked a few games we wanted to discuss. And, uh, the first one up on our list is the, the comeback game of the week, the Cowboys and the Falcons. I did not expect the Cowboys to be able to come back from that kind of deficit, but somehow they were able to do it. Yeah. I believe at one point the Cowboys were down 20 to zero against the Falcons. Um, I mean, obviously we couldn't watch this game live because it wasn't in market, which is one thing I really don't like about how we can't watch in-market game, out-of-market games. We have to rely on highlights, but it is what it is. Um, no, the same, this was happening the same time the Bears game was going and we're checking scores and we're like, there's no way the Cowboys can come back and win. And then we checked score at a later time in the game and we noticed that they have come, they recovered an onside kick and are so close to uh, winning. So, I mean, think about that. Saying, who these days recovers an onside kick? This, you, you saw the onside kick, right? You saw the I, highlight I of it? I saw it in the highlight reel, yeah. But like, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was such spun. a mistake by the Falcons. The weight was spinning too. It was like, it was, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it now. 
But just like it was, it was the perfect kick. This is where I'm going to bring in the Super Bowl here, Trenton. They, the Falcons blew a 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl, and now they've blown a 20 to zero lead against the Cowboys. I mean, I mean, the past few years, I mean, it's only been two games, but like it's the games people remember are are going remember or aren't going to remember. It's going to be the the Falcons blew these leads in such winnable scenarios. And yeah. Dan Quinn has been the head coach for both of those. I mean, I just I can't believe that the Falcons special teams did not jump on that ball. I mean, they can touch it. They can touch it before it travels the required distance that the kicking team has to go for it. But they just they 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 kind of created a wall and they just watched it roll and then Dallas jumped on it. I mean, um they let Dak Prescott throw for 450 yards in one game. I mean, that that's unreal. That you you don't see that that often. I mean, also you don't have most of the time. That only also happens when your team is trailing by how much they were. So it makes sense, but still to allow such a comeback like this. It also on the stat line it shows that Andy Dalton threw one pass for but incompleted, so I don't know what that's about. Even Again, I didn't watch the game because I couldn't. But uh, I don't know, it's just interesting. To see. I'm looking through the stat line right now, and his name is on it. But Zeke had, Zeke had a good game, 22 carries for 89 yards, a touchdown. And Dak Prescott ran in the ball three times for a touchdown, so uh, apparently they could not stop a running quarterback. Ooh, and uh, we're going to have to go back to quarterbacks running in the balls for touchdowns in a few games from now when we're covering some interesting games. Why don't we move on to Chiefs at Chargers? Of course, this is an interesting game as well. All right, so this was a game I was able to watch, and it was, um, for a large part, I thought that the Chargers could actually come away with a victory. Herbert played well in his first game. Took him down. I think it was about the first drive. He took him down for a touchdown. Eight plays, 79 yards. Took him down for a touchdown against the Chiefs. And they played good enough that this game was able to go in overtime, actually. I mean, provided I think the Chiefs are the team that forced overtime. But in your first rookie, in your first game as a rookie, this is not a bad game to have. Yeah, that's that's for sure. He really played lights out, especially to be told right before kickoff that hey, you know, you know our our starter Tyra Taylor, yeah, he can't play today. So congratulations, you're in. And then um, the field goal made by the Chiefs kicker Harrison Butker. He's the second. Sorry, yeah, he's the second kicker in Super Bowl era to make two field goals with that were at least fifty-eight yards long. So, yeah, shows what you can have when you have a strong kicker. For sure. I mean, he he really had to to nail that last kick in order to win in overtime. I mean, that's two big kicks that he had to make to get it to overtime and then to win it in overtime. So, you know, props to him for sure. No. So, um, teams, uh, apparently shouldn't get overconfident when, if they, uh, they shut out the chiefs in the first quarter, cause this is Patrick Mahomes seventh win in a row. It's seven and oh, when we shut out in the first quarter. Yeah. He just, you can't count him out. We already learned that in the playoffs, last year when they were down by so much against the Texans. And I mean, Herbert's stat line wasn't bad either. I mean, 311 yards, one touchdown, one interception. First game of the year that you're playing for, no, sorry. First game of your career that you're playing in. It's not that, not a bad one to have. And you only lost by three points, even though again, a loss is a loss. We don't do moral victories here, but a lot of a lot of upside. Yeah, definitely. 
All right, why don't we move on to Patriots at Seahawks. And this is a game with another two quarterbacks, actually, who can run the football, although mainly one was having a good time getting it into the end zone. That is Cam Newton until the very end. Yeah, um, this game was... This game was good all the way up to the end of the game, actually, because you really did think the Patriots would have a chance. I mean, they did lose the game 30 to 35. But, um, no, they kept it competitive all the way to the end of the game. And I I still don't like the play call, though, at the end. I mean, you could still throw the ball. I mean, because I, I, the entire team, the other – the entire defense knows you have Cam Newton, and he is more known to run the ball, so – especially in that situation on the goal line. And the Patriots are using that skill set to a good advantage. I mean, he scored two touchdowns running, running the ball, ran, uh, ran 47 yards on 11 carries. So it was, wasn't bad. It's just that I wish the, um, the goal line situation at the end of the game was managed better. Isn't it interesting that when the Seahawks were at the goal line in that Super Bowl, and they didn't run the ball in with Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch. And then in this game, when the Patriots are at the goal line and they try to run it in with Cam Newton instead of throwing it, isn't that, isn't that interesting? I mean, I could have gone through um, the back of the mind of Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick not to turn it over in that situation. But um, Russell Wilson's deep balls, though, in that game were like anytime yeah. he runs <laughs> It seemed like that was going – I believe it was, what, like around three for three for any pass over 20 yards. But that guy can throw the ball. And it's a nice throw, too. It's not like any – it's not like a duck. You've seen quarterbacks when they try to launch it. The, the ball doesn't come out that tight tight of a spiral. But in, the, in his situation, he can – he has the accuracy and the arm strength. And it's usually always going for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, from that game, all I remember is – Russell Wilson hitting DK Metcalf, just dropping that ball right into his arms. I mean, Stephon Gilmore was the pretty much draped all over him. And, you know, Metcalf is so strong and so tall that once he catches it, he just pulls away from Metcalf and leaves Metcalf behind, walks in for the touchdown. Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson right now is is lighting the league on fire. and No, he's definitely in the, the top for the MVP candidate. I mean, it's only two weeks, but yeah. Yeah, and it's a it's a different game plan than we usually see the Seahawks doing. Usually they're more of a run-first team, but now they're they're just letting Russell Wilson launch the deep ball. Be Russell yeah, Wilson. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy. It's fun to see. You know, it's fun to watch with Russell Wilson having so many different weapons on the offense. So, yeah, this was a good game. Hopefully we can see a, another matchup like this later on in the season if it's, it's not going to be Probably, these two possibly, teams but no it wouldn't be You'd, that would only be, have to be in the super bowl which, which just, is possible it is but it's like just now that for other teams that are playing the seahawks now they have to be really aware of this deep ball threat and even if they do decide to cover the deep ball there's going to be a lot of openings down the middle of the field and possibly to throw it short and russell wilson can run the ball too at the same time and there are so many different elements to the Seahawks team that you have to defend. Um, the last game that we're going to discuss about is the only game I really would call such a major upset. It was. Which I did not expect this at all. Such an upset. Coming yeah. from the, the New Orleans Saints playing the now, now the Las Vegas Raiders in their first ever home game in Vegas. Drew Brees did not look himself at all. I, I'm yeah, he, I'm surprised to say it. Yeah, they did not have a very good game whatsoever. Well, and Derek Carr did. Derek Carr had an amazing game. Honestly, three touchdowns, two hundred eighty-four yards, no interceptions. The Saints could not stop tight end Darren Waller. They just, they just couldn't. <laughs> No. He was too big, he was too fast, and he lined up everywhere. I mean, even if you could stop him for a second, then who do you – you could throw to so many of the people you had. 
who else is, I mean, yeah, exactly. He was their top player, 12 receptions, 105 yards. So, I mean, yeah, they couldn't stop him. The next, you know, yeah. the next player, Byron Edwards, only caught the ball twice for 42 yards. So, uh, I mean, they have weapons, but they did they mainly stuck with Darren Waller. And it's like, if you something's not working, then why? Uh, I mean, if something is, continues to work, then why not stick with it? Yeah, and in usual John Gruden fashion, they stuck with the run, too. They had Josh Jacobs carrying the ball 27 times for 88 yards. And although that's only a 3.3-yard average per carry, you know, they, they stuck with the run. They kept the ball out of Drew Brees' hand. They kept the Saints' defense on the field. And honestly, it just that's just Gruden football. <laughs> Saints, Saints weren't even out of the game, really. I mean, the, at one point, the – the Raiders botched a toss to the running back and they fumbled the ball. And it's like, okay, the Saints got it. The Saints are now. Here's what I'm thinking I'm thinking the Saints are going to take it, go down the field, score a touchdown. The game's going to be, I don't remember what the score was at the time, but it's like just, it, it's going to be much of a closer game. But no, the Saints couldn't do anything with that situation. And that just allowed the Raiders to continue and the Raiders. Just kept scoring touchdowns. I think they scored a touchdown towards the uh, towards the end of the towards the end of the game. That basically sealed it off, and then they closed it out with a field goal. Yeah, and you know, as as great as Drew Brees and the Saints are, you know, at a certain point, a lead becomes too great, and you know, it's not that you run out of production; you just run out of time. Interesting thing is, um, the Saints have had the best record, I think, over the past two or three years overall, but they've never started a game 2-0. I mean, this was a tidbit I picked up from the broadcast. So it just shows you, it's interesting that, that you have the best record overall over a course of time, and but you never started 2-0. And this is, I mean, not that these are the Las Vegas Raiders, this is the teams that are um, since 1970. Teams that aren't in a new stadium, in a new city, are now seven and three in their home openers. So it's uh, the Raiders are adding to that, and the Saints have broken their streak of wins on Monday Night Football. Though they had won four straight wins on Monday Night Football, dating back to Week One, 2017. Yikes. Well, there's always next week. <laughs> I don't think I'll bring up one more tidbit. We were talking about um, Darren Waller. This is his hundred. This is his sixth time since the start of last year that he's had 100 receiving yards in a game. He's, uh, he's turning into another Gronkowski, but a much, much faster Gronkowski. Yeah, and a younger one, too. All right, so uh, we got one more game to discuss, which has become which we have to catch up as the Bears versus the Giants are the Bears' home opener, and uh, suffice to say, actually happy, really happy, the Bears came out victorious in this one, even though some parts of the game looked like it could have gone the other way. I'm glad the team is now zero and two. I'm sorry, not zero and two. My bad. Two and zero. Whew, that would have been bad if it was 0-2. Um, 0-2 is going in the wrong direction below. We're very close to becoming 0-2. Yes, we were. But uh, that's, that's definitely true. <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, offense came out pretty strong in the first half of the game. Uh, we were up, I believe, what, 17-0. We shut out the Giants in the first half, but we couldn't get anything together in the second half. But let's uh, focus on the positives first before we go into the negatives. Yeah, I mean, Trubisky was all right, I suppose. He did throw two picks, which is not fantastic. Hey, we're going with positives first. (laughs) Going with positives. All right, David Montgomery, 82 carries. Or no, 82 carries, 16 carries, 82 yards. Oh, I like that. I like Nagy stick on the run game, and I liked. I always, 
if we may mention it week one, but I like the mix of Patterson and Montgomery in there because Patterson's got that breakaway speed. If he hits a hole, he's basically gone. He just has to get to that hole. But um, And I like how we're sticking with Montgomery running the ball because last year the running game was a mess and we could not get anything on the ground. But he stuck with it and it went well. Um, Trubisky's two touchdown passes in the game were also really nice to see. Could have easily had a third one, though, with Anthony Miller catching that in the corner of the end zone, which I think Nagy also kept coming back to post-game and even on Monday. He kept saying that Trubisky put that in the right spot. Miller just has to catch up. Because the game's in a different position if you're up. Was that in the second quarter, I believe, when he dropped the touchdown? I mean, it ended up kicking a field goal instead. Um, yeah, I believe so, because sure. two touchdowns and then 17 points is because he had to kick a field goal. Whatever, yeah, so that was in the second quarter. And just to go up 21-0 at halftime, it just affects the mindset of the Giants and just the team in general, general showing how much of a bubble you have provided for yourself comfort-wise. And that way a game doesn't have to come down to the very end of the end end of the game, two weeks in a row. And the Bears defense showed up a little bit. They got some turnovers, one pick. That was nice to see. One forced fumble. And uh one, two, three, four sacks as well. So Imagine if that pick six but Eddie Jackson counted. That would have been that would have sealed the game right yeah. there. That, that would have changed things for sure. It's uh, nice to see, though, in Robert Quinn's first game with the Bears that he was able to have such good uh, production. And also to see Khalil Mack just absolutely wreck Daniel Jones, unblocked off the edge, for yeah. him to just – you, you got to block Khalil Mack. I mean, you oh, can't you just, don't. Can't just don't. let <laughs> – I don't have to. There's no law against it. I mean, your quarterback's not going to survive for maybe even a quarter if you have Khalil Mack going unblocked on every play. That's all right. I don't care. As long as my team is, <laughs> as long as my team has Khalil Mack. Speaking of offensive linemen, Bobby Massey had that fourth down conversion catch when he got tipped. I think Trubisky was looking towards it. Either it was Cole Komet or Jimmy Graham, and the ball got tipped and. The offensive lineman caught it, so that was that was nice to see. Yeah, that Hopefully was. You don't want surprising. that to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, good on him to just have that reaction and to have the sense to just catch the ball, fall forwards, and get the first down in a super key situation. I mean, I I honestly didn't see the beers celebrating that too much. You know, there wasn't like a huge, you know, group celebration, everybody jumping on top of each other. Oh, what an amazing catch. They just took it in stride and continued. uh, You didn't want that to happen, though. It was was an accident. I mean, it it happened to be in our favor. But if the ball hits the ground, that means you turned it over on fourth down and Giants have the ball back. So it's like you're still in the mindset of the game. And if it happened on a touchdown, then probably they would have celebrated. But no, not on on a fourth down conversion that you – shouldn't even been in the situation to begin with. You know, a down conversion that you barely made. <laughs> exactly. Um, one interesting thing is that uh, they had Cleo Mack mic'd up for this game. And right before the game, the, you can see him, you see him go up to Trubisky and basically give him like a pep talk. Which probably may have, I don't know, may have actually affected him in the first half because he played so well. He basically came up to him and told him in his ear basically he's like just go out there and make sure that you make everyone respect you because like it basically tell him that he's worth it he should be here the team's got his back and just go out there and play play ball so I mean it was nice to see Mac I mean he's the leader on this team not just the defense but the team in general so just to see him go to his quarterback who's struggled in the past and provide him that level of confidence was good to see. Yeah, Mac is definitely demonstrating more vocal leadership coming into this year. Last year, he was a little bit quiet, I think. Mac's a silent leader, though. He'll lead with his sack production, and he'll he'll lead with forced fumbles and stuff like that. So, 
speaking of Bears production, the Bears have reached a three-year extension with running back Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen. Yeah. Nice he, to see. He's, uh, he has been used a little bit less by the Bears, I feel like. He hasn't really shown up too much. You know, he's still here and there, either as a runner or catching passes out of the backfield. And, of course, he also returns punts. But he hasn't really been used as much as he used to be. Season is still young, though. I mean, Nagy's got you know, he's got tools at his disposal, and you know, part of me still is thinking that this offense is going to hopefully become the 2018 offense. This whole team, I want to be to mirror the 2018 team, hopefully. But it's like it feels like things are working better than they were at least last year, and also helps that you're two and zero. When when you're two and zero, it's a lot easier to fix any mistakes than when you're owing to. But no, it's good that they've ex- extended Tariq. Tariq's been a good part of the team for for a long time now, for I think the past two or three years. And it, it's not even a uh, – he's making $5.75 million a year. Uh, the overall contract is worth about $18.25 million. So um, – no, sorry, the contract is worth six point, roughly $6 million a year. About nine, nine and a half million guaranteed. So, I mean, it's a nice deal. Not too, he's only 25 years old as well. So, by the time this contract runs out, he'll be 28. And usually, life of a running back doesn't go past like 33 ish, 34 if we're lucky. Unless your name is Adrian Peterson. I was just about to say that. Yeah. But like, Cohen's a good, Cohen's a really valuable member of this team. And um, all we need now is to just make sure we secure Aaron. Allen Robinson's contract, and then we'll be good to go. But in the meantime, we're going to take situations where we can get them and not opposed to it. So, All right. Well, why don't we move on to our picks for week three? Yeah, so uh, last week I went 12-4 and four in my picks, and you went 11-5. and five, so. I, I picked too many uh, upset games. That's for sure. <laughs> you got to go with the picks that are going to make you win. But you do you. I'll do me. Uh, all right. So let's just run through these and we'll just rapid fire um, list them off because I think we're running a little longer than we usually do or with our time limit here. So, all right. So Jaguars at – sorry, Dolphins at Jaguars. I'm going to go Jaguars with this. Same here. I'm going Jaguars. Picking the stash. <laughs> 49ers and Giants. Ooh. I, I'm i going to go with 49ers. I have confidence in Nick Mullins. I'm going with the Giants. Too many injuries in the 49ers for me to feel confident. Uh, Washington and Browns. Uh, I'm going to go Browns. Browns. Uh, Bengals and Eagles. Why don't I go with the Bengals on this? I'm going with the Eagles. Uh, Raiders and Patriots. I'm going to go Patriots here. Same here, Patriots. Uh, Bears and Falcons. Bears. (laughs) Smart move. Bears. Uh, Rams and Bills. Ooh. I'm going to take the Bills on this one. So am I. I like the way that Buffalo's been playing and their offense and been putting up a lot of production. And they're 2-0. So. Josh Allen's arm is just amazing right now. And that is a true statement. Texans at Steelers. Oh, I got to go Steelers. Same here. I mean, Houston... Houston, Houston, they have a problem. <laughs> they do. I mean, you come out the gate playing the Chiefs and then the Ravens. I mean, Steelers are not that team, but they are pretty much up there now because they got Roethlisberger back. And they have the defense. And and that's the main thing. I mean, I think the Steelers' defense would be able to contain the Texans. Titans at Vikings. Ooh, Vikings are 0-2, but... I think I'm going to go Vikings in this one. I'm going with the Titans. Vikings haven't had that much production recently, and it's 
Doesn't look good. Uh, Panthers at Chargers. Ooh, this is going to be an interesting game. Uh, Justin Herbert is probably going to be starting this. Panthers are missing Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to go Chargers. I'm going with uh, Panthers. I mean, uh, Herbert was a surprise to everyone last week, so the Chiefs couldn't even prepare for him because they didn't. They weren't expecting him to play, but now that they basically know, the Panthers know that Herbert will be playing, I think, a week of proper preparation will be able to limit the effectiveness of the Chargers offense. So, again, I'm going with the Panthers. Uh, Jets at Colts. Got to go with the Colts here. Uh, the Jets are not pickable, I think. <laughs> nope, I'm going with the Colts as well. What were they, like the bottom of the power rankings? Yeah, we Jets, are, Jets are at 32 out of 32. My, that made my point for me. Uh, Cowboys at Seahawks. I'm going to go Seahawks. Um, yeah, I got to go Seahawks. Yeah, Seahawks, especially the performance they've been putting up the past two weeks and at home. Um, Lions and Cardinals. Ooh, I'm going to go Cardinals. I like the looks of the Cardinals offense. Same here. Going with the Cardinals. Lions are not a good team right now. Except for Adrian Peterson. Yeah, but if he can't, he's not going to win you the game, so you still got to win. You could have the, you could have uh, Walter Payton back there, but the Lions are not going to. Or even, no, sorry. We'll bring in a more relevant Lions example. We'll bring in Barry Sanders back there. They're still not going to win. Uh, Buccaneers or Broncos? You know, usually I'd pick the Broncos, but right now the Broncos don't really have anything, so I'm going to have to go with the Bucks. Exactly. Um, the quarterback is out, and you got Tom Brady coming to town. I'm taking the Bucks. Uh, Sunday night football, Packers at Saints. Ooh. This is going to be a hard one to choose. I'm going to have to go with – I'm going to go Packers here. I'm going with the Saints. I think the Saints might even be allowing a limited capacity of fans. I'm not sure, but I think they might be. So in any situation, I'd take the Saints at home. But especially if they get fans in there, I think it affects the game a little bit. So I'm going – again, I'm going with the Saints. Our last game of the week. Ooh, this is a all this the hype. Is all the hype. An amazing matchup. Chiefs this is at Ravens. Crazy. Chiefs at Ravens. Oh man. Oh man. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs on this one. So am I. I'm going with the Chiefs as well. All right. All right. I I just believe in Clyde Edwards Alaire, even though yeah. he didn't have that great of a game. Uh, in week two. But then you got to look back to what he had in week one. He had such a good game then. Yeah. Um, but this is going to be a pretty good game, I think. Yeah. Hopefully a lot of scoring, a lot of excitement, a lot of big plays. I mean, this is this is the duel. This is going to be know? like the Chiefs and Rams game from two years ago, probably. Also, yeah. I mean, this is the rivalry. The, the AFC have rivalry. They, have they played each other yet? Mahomes and Jackson? Um, I don't I, think so. I feel like, I feel I like feel they, they have. have. I'm not sure. But it just, you know, you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Lamar Jackson. They're two the last them. two MVP candidates. The last two yeah. MVP winners. It just, feels like, it just feels like the modern Peyton Manning and Tom Brady matchup, you know? It's probably going to end up being that. In, a, in like a year or two, once they have more games. Especially, hopefully, it doesn't become over-dominated. I think, I think Brady had the better of Manning throughout. Or they were fairly balanced, but like Brady was a little. Yeah. And more wins. Brady, Brady just had Belichick backing him. And to have a Belichick defense behind you, you can't ask for a better defense in the past two decades. Exactly. All right. So I think that does it for our week. I think we had a pretty productive show. Um, so thank you for listening to the By the Laces podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. Hope you all um, have a good rest of the week. Don't forget to follow us at Bill 
Malik15, and Trent underscore Cito. Uh, please stay safe and wear a mask. And remember, you won't be fined $100,000 like an NFL uh, head coach, but you still got to wear a mask to protect yourself and protect others. And remember, go mustaches. <laughs>